Matthew chapter 7, this morning in your Bibles, expectations of God for the prayers of man. It already, oh, this confounded thing. Apologize. All right. Matthew chapter 7 this morning. E.M. Bounds, in his book, Power and Prayer, says, We may confidently assert that no church in which Paul was prominent would be a prayerless church. Paul lived, toiled, and suffered in an atmosphere of prayer. To him... Prayer was the very heart and life of religion. It's bone and marrow, the motor of the gospel, and the sign by which it conquered. We proceed now to declare that it demands prayer leadership to hold each church to God's aims and to fit it for God's uses. Prayer leadership preserves the spirituality of the church just as prayerless leaders make for unspiritual conditions. Each church is not spiritual simply by the mere fact of its existence, nor by its vocation is not held to its sacred vocation by generation nor by succession. Like the new birth, it is not of blood, neither of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And here in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11, would you follow along with me as I read Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Therefore all things, whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets." And as we look at prayer, it is the very connection of the believer to the Father. Just as any meaningful relationship in life demands time just chatting, just talking. You cannot have a vibrant, productive Christian life without being connected to Christ in prayer. In John chapter 15, I want to show you this again. I know I mentioned it last week. But John chapter 15, verses 5 through 8. John 15, verse 5. I am the vine, Jesus says, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will. It shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. In verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. There's no spiritual life apart from God, and, and as we find here in verse 7, in obedience to God, and I'll talk about that. Why is there so many people that love the idea that I can ask from God in prayer without any requirements of God on man's behalf. Now, if I came up to you, and I, you know, 
you're not a parent, none of you are, none of, not my parent, you are a parent, but most of you, or all of you, but <clears throat> if I came up to you and I said, hey, I'm in great need, and I have a certain need, and, and here's what it is, if you're a parent, that pulls on the heartstrings of a parent, and uh, as you know, and, and the thing is, is you know, if, if my daughter asks me for something, I will say, well, yes or no, based upon what is best for her. And God wants to help his children, but if, if that relationship, and you don't want God, but you only want God when things are tough, and you don't want to obey God, you don't want to be faithful to God, yet you want God to answer your prayer requests, why would he answer when you don't want God? You just want the pain to go away from the consequences of bad decisions. And Jesus is teaching us here the importance of prayer and his love, but also the condition of our heart in entering into prayer. If someone came up to you, and, and most of you that are parents, and they said, I would love to hang out with you, but under no conditions do I want your child with me. That would be quite upsetting. Specifically, if it's like, uh, let's go on a vacation and uh, I don't want your kid to go with us. You would be thinking, who is this guy? He, he wants me, but he doesn't want my kid. There's that, there's a, the, you know, and your kid, is, your kid or a spouse is so important to you. And God's request here in Christ is he's giving this. And we've been going through that the very things and the commands of Christ last week that we did in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, let your light so shine before men. Our very first command of Christ on the Sermon on the Mount is to let your light shine for Christ. And then in all the subsequent commands that he would give uh, of reconciling with those who have ought against you or have something against you or maybe you've wronged. Uh, to have genuine faith. Don't have pride and hypocrisy before others. Be content with what you have. You don't need to have all the materialism. Have spiritual discernment, not, not uh, the temporal criticism and a very critical spirit. Then he comes in this prayer request, and I think it's very indicative of the direction of saying, my heart in humility before God as I'm asking. So there's a, some conditions that God's desiring that we would have a heart of brokenness and humility before God. Now, if you're coming before God in humility and brokenness and saying, God, I need your help, and I'm willing to do what is necessary, that's a different than just saying, God, please fix this situation. I'm going to pull the slot machine, put it in my quarter, and I need, I need this fixed. Because I'm concerned that I want that relationship with God. And that is the most important thing that he wants with us is that relationship. The commands of letting your light shine is fraught or filled with those who will offend. Or you offending in pride or not being content with God or placing yourself as God over others in an attitude of pride. But in a state of not being critical and, 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 and really an assessment of myself in humility, he's saying, come and ask. So with those thoughts this morning, let us come to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I thank you for this morning. And God, I need your help to preach your holy word. Once again, we bring the rhymers before you. I pray for their protection. I pray for those that, Lord, 
who are really hurting at this time, and Lord, they just need comfort and strength. Maybe there's some real struggles and trials or unexpected things that have happened, and Father, they just need the comfort of the Father. Lord, I just yield this morning to you forever. Those who may be out this morning on sickness, I pray that you'd raise them up to health and bring them back. And our Father, I thank you. We can bring our prayers and petitions before you. And God, I ask that we would be holy. God, we'd seek to be more like you and less like this world. Father, should there be anyone watching that is not saved, I pray that today they would accept you as their only Savior. So God, you take over and we'll follow you. I love you. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. In this Matthew chapter 7, this verse asks, and I, and I just want a little review on this. I think it's very, very important to understand there's a couple different ways that word ask uh, there in the Bible. Uh, and, and there's a couple, when you look at in the text, there's a first way that you can ask is as of uh, two equals. So if, if one prime minister and a president are talking to each other, they're both heads of their country and they're both leaders in their own right. So there's, a, there's an equality where, and, and, and we also find Jesus asking of the Father. There's a asking, and that word uh, there in the Greek would be eratao, and, and there's an equality of those who are asking, Jesus asking of the Father. Then in what we find in this word here, and just review, is of, of a servant or an employee asking of their boss. There's, there's, an, in, there's in a leadership structure, you are under their leadership. Now the Bible tells us, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. So you're approaching God, as we have been called to as all believers, in an attitude of humility. And then also in Hebrews chapter 4, seeing then that we have a great high priest. He's above us, Jesus Christ. Says that is passed into heaven. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Verse 16 of Hebrews 4. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace. The throne, and I am coming to the throne. I'm not king, and nor are you. And I'm coming to that throne with request. There can easily be, as we find in the previous verses here in this passage of Scripture, a self-righteous attitude of criticism towards others. And that very thing here of ask is also translated in our Bible. That very same Greek word is translated in the Bible in Matthew 27, as we're talking about Joseph of Arimathea, that he begged the body of Jesus. He's begging. I'm coming to God and I'm begging him. I'm asking of him. Or in 1 Peter 3.15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you, a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Asking with meekness. Now, attitude, now the attitude as I'm coming is I see my need. Look with me at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. When I'm praying, I'm praying with the attitude of I need him. And I need him alone. He is the very source of my answers. I'm not coming to him as a secondary solution. I'm not coming to him as an accessory or as a complement to something else. I'm coming to him in full 
humility and dependence upon him, just as an infant child would be dependent upon its parent for its food. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, but without faith it is impossible to please him. You've got to approach in faith. I am placing my dependence, I'm placing my security upon someone else with greater ability than you or I possess. I'm coming to him. In verse 1 of Hebrews 11, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of of things not seen. I come to God based upon what the Bible says about God asking for his help for a particular need. Now, in Hebrews 4, 16, going back a few chapters, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. It's something, I think, quite revealing about God. Verse 16 of Hebrews 4. Let us, therefore, come boldly. My daughter, when I'm studying in my office back there, and uh, my wife sometimes will come over and she'll bring over lunch or whatever, a meal, and while I'm studying here, and my daughter will barge through those doors going down in the office area, and she'll barge open, and she'll open the, wind, the door into my room. Daddy! <laughs> she comes boldly. She knows it's her daddy. She's, she understands that relationship that's there. And for you and I, when I'm coming before the Father, Daddy! boldly and then it says something else i think that is unbelievable the throne of grace maybe you had a father growing up or a parent growing up and if you came before them in a particular way and they'd throw the hammer down on you they would be violent it's not the throne of justice it's not the throne of anger it's the throne of grace When I'm asking, I'm coming before the throne where I'm getting what I don't deserve. Boldly. I mean, there's a joyful sense of freedom that I can go straight to the Father. And so can you. Free and fearless confidence. Have you ever had to come to a boss or someone else and maybe they were a little volatile? You felt like you were walking on eggs and so you come up to this person and you, 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 you present whatever the request is or whatever, the, you know, whatever comments are needed to be made and, and you're just like, I hope I don't set off, push the button and they're like, ah, you know. You're, you're timid. There's not freedom. And the very thing we find here is there is A confidence. Realize this. A very similar word as it's elsewhere translated boldly is also confidence. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which which hath great recompense and reward, for you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. That's uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 and 36. Confidence, boldly. My Father's going to hear me. He's going to listen to me. 
I'm coming before the Father. I know I can come to Him. I don't need to be a... I, I mean, I, I'm not... I'm coming in regards to his position, but I'm also coming in confidence that he will hear me. It is not the approach of a slot machine mentality wherein I cross my fingers, throw up a prayer, and hope by all good luck. I'm talking in that mentality. There's not luck, is, it's <laughs> luck totally removes God from the picture. It's not good. Anyways. You're throwing up this, fingers crossed, throwing up, I hope he hears me. And yet I want nothing to do with God in my life. You throw it up to some unknown cosmic deity. I want you to look with me at another passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 11. This asking... It's, it's in fact a command. He's saying, ask, you ask. It's a good thing to ask. But I want you to want me. I want you to abide in me. You know what, sometimes <clears throat> our view of God is skewed by an earthly parent, or father particularly. And if you've had a good father, you'll... Your view of God might be different than someone who maybe had a very violent father or an absent father. But he says, I want you to come boldly, with confidence. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, come unto me. That is a command. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to the throne of grace. Ask. And then... Verse 29, take my yoke upon you. Another command. And learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest in your souls. Verse 30, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So he says, I want you to come, I want you to take, and I want you to learn all imperatives. And in so doing, I will find a meek and lowly spirit giving rest from my burdens of light. Burdens of life, excuse me. You must have the initiative to come. A mere prayer for healing apart from coming to Christ and taking his yoke and saying, God, I just need you to take off these burdens. I need you to release the weight. God, I need help. I'm willing to follow you. Lord, I'm humble. I don't have the answers, and I'm going to let you lead the way. Look with me at another passage of Scripture. In the very command of this idea of asking or coming, you, I mean, if you're going to ask someone, you're coming to them, whether on the phone or on, on the Internet or in person, you're still approaching this person in a means of communicating. James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, how many of us <laughs> lack wisdom? I think, I know for myself, I'll, say, I'll raise my hand, I said, I lack wisdom. Then it says, let him, excuse me, let him ask of God. That's a, he's saying, command, ask me. That give it to all men liberally, and upbraideth not. He's not going to undo you in this very thing, and it shall be given him. 
Verse 6, but let him ask another command in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man, another imperative, think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Verse 5, let him ask. Verse 6, let him ask. Verse 7, let not, don't think this way. And in these sentiments here, God wants to be liberal in his giving. Liberal. Normally the word liberal is not used in a positive light in many connotations. But I'm recognizing my lack of wisdom. I'm asking of one who is superior to me. Because I need him. There were many times as a young child... There were things in my life, and I'd come to my dad, and I'd say, Dad, I need some help, please. My dad would teach me how to change the oil and do brakes and do a tune-up, and uh, sometimes I would, I like to tinker, and I remember taking apart a BB gun, and I didn't know how to put it back together because springs had sprung, and I was like, ah, <laughs> I don't know what to do here. I need some help. Dad had some ability of thinking that I didn't have at that time. God's called us to ask. And yet, we like to solve the problems ourselves. The second attitude we need to have is an attitude of humility and seeking intimacy with God. Look with me at Ephesians 6.18. You see, I'm coming in humility. I have a need. And I can't deal with it. But he says, I want you to ask. I'm telling you to ask. I'm telling you to come in confidence. Because I'm realizing my frailty, my limitations, and all of his abilities. And number two, I'm coming to him, Ephesians 6, 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication of the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So faith is a diligent and constant evaluation to whether I'm close to the Lord. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Am I praying because now I'm praying that God's will and my light would shine for Him? Or am I praying for my own personal selfish pursuits? I'm praying in the Spirit. I'm constantly evaluating my life spiritually. And Philippians chapter, another attitude is attitude, when I'm asking, my attitude as I'm approaching him is seeking to glorify God. Be careful uh, for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. So I'm coming to God with, the, with, with wanting to give him thanks and praises. You might be saying, Pastor, but I just went through a tremendous trial and my heart is broken. He says, come with thanksgiving. Come in the God. I know you're the greatest God and you're the creator. And, and God, I don't have answers. And Father, I just want to thank you for being a, a good God. But God, my heart is broken and I need some wisdom. I'm coming because I want God to be glorified in the situation I'm in. Colossians chapter 4, look with me again. You think, Pastor, I'm too broken. I can't give him praise. 
But God's called us to. He says, I want you to ask. I need you to ask. I've called, you know, it's a very command to ask. But he says he's given us the way to ask. Colossians 4, verse 2. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I might make it manifest as I ought to speak. He says, continue in prayer. We know that. He's called us to ask, so there's praying. But he says, do so with thanksgiving. If God is just your sheet to fill out, for all of your requests, without any due regard for who he is. You know, for a while I can easily, it'd be easy to take advantage of my wife. My wife is a tremendous blessing. She has a servant's heart, loves to serve people. And if I just said, hey, can you do this for me? Hey, can you do this for me? Hey, can you do this for me? I never said please, I never said thank you, I never, you know, after a while it would, it would get burdensome. If I didn't say, you know what, I'm so thankful for you. See, when I'm coming to God, I want, I want him to be glorified. Let your light so shine. That's the first command he gives in the Sermon on the Mount. That is our objective. And all, everything that's following is how do I let my light shine. Another attitude we ought to have is an attitude of unity with others. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 15. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. He says rejoice. Give thanks before he says pray without ceasing. Thanksgiving and rejoicing in God's presence. Have you ever had an individual with whom you've spoken, a friend or acquaintance or family member or whatever, and it's like without fail. You know when you're around this person, I mean, they're like Mr. and Mrs. Negative. You know they're going to be like, this is bad. And, and you're like, Pfft. you walk away and you're like, oh man, everything in their life. I mean, it's just like complain, 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 murmur and complain. I mean, you're just like, what in the world? If that drags, if that pulls you down, what makes you think it's not going to, I mean, God's just like, seriously, don't you realize who I am? Don't you realize the goodness of God? It says in verse 18, in everything give thanks, 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. But I'm asking with thanksgiving and rejoicing in my heart. You said, Pastor, that's impossible. You don't know the trial and the troubles I'm in. But I do know the God of the trials. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. But he says rejoice evermore. That comes before prayer. I'm coming to him with God. I just want to praise you. There's a unity there. Unity with God. And then in James chapter 5, it tells us in verse 15 of James 5, And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise them up. And if you have committed sins, they shall be forgiven. And confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that you may be healed. 
The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. He's saying, listen, there ought to be, uh, a, you're right with others. There's a, you, you know, you have made things right. Now, you may not nece- necessarily agree on a particular situation, but you're uh, willing to come and make things right. Now, if I'm coming before the Lord in an attitude of humility and seeking Him and trying, you know, right with others and, and I'm coming with a, a, an absolute dependence upon Him, guess what? Guess what? You can come with the expectation of God's provision. Look with me at verse 7. Ask, command, and here is the result or the product of asking, and it shall be given you. It's a plural imperative here. If there's strife and critical judging spirit, God doesn't want to answer that. Unless it's for the reconciliation of that relationship, if it could be at all possible. Galatians 6, 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And the law of cause and effect. But God says, ask, and it shall be given you. God says, listen, I want you to ask me. I want to provide for you. I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel here. I'm preaching that I'm coming before the Father with all answers and all uh, abilities, and I'm coming and saying, God, I'm in need. When Hudson Taylor was sailing to China to begin his missionary work, his ship was in great danger. The wind had died and the current was carrying them toward sunken reefs which are close to islands inhabited by cannibals. So close they could see them building fires on the shore. Everything they tried was to no avail. In his journal, Hudson Taylor recorded what happened next. The captain said to me, well, we have done everything that can be done. A thought occurred to me, and I replied, Hudson said, no, there is one thing we have not done yet. What is that, he queried. Four of us on board are Christians. Let us each retire to his own cabin in agreed prayer. Ask the Lord to give us immediately a breeze. Taylor prayed briefly and then, certain that the answer was coming, went up on the deck and asked the first officer to let down the sails. What would be the good of that? The first officer answered roughly. I told him we had been asking a wind from God that it was coming immediately. Within minutes, the wind did begin to blow and it carried them safely past the reefs. Taylor wrote, Thus God encouraged me, ere landing on China's shore, to bring every variety of need to him in prayer, and to expect that he would honor the name of the Lord Jesus and and give the help each emergency required. Knowing that our prayers touch the heart of God, he can meet my needs. I should be confident he will hear and answer when I cry out to him. You want to know what's something that happens, though, as a result of answered prayer? Look with me at Matthew chapter 21. You know, what, you, know, you know what happens when God answers my prayer? You know, what, you know what it ought to do? In Matthew 21, 21. Matthew 21, 21. It shows my need of absolute dependence. There are those that might say, I've got a secret to prayer to getting God to answer. And I'll say the secret to prayer is a humility, a brokenness, and an absolute dependence upon God. I need Him. Matthew 21, 21. 
Jesus answered and said to them, Verily I say unto you, if ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this, which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast in the sea, it shall be done in all things. Whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. Without faith it's impossible to please him. Please him. He, in Mark chapter 11, in a parallel account of this passage, he says, have faith in God, not doubting in heart. Many times when we come to God in prayer, we're like, God, I know I'm supposed to pray, so God, if you're up there, can you please answer my prayer request? You're not exhibiting faith. It's kind of like in a football game, throwing a Hail Mary and just hoping you can get that football down the field to win it before the time is up. You know, when Jesus was talking to the Samaritan woman, Jesus answers, you know, and she says, give me water. And, and, and you know, he said, I'll give you everlasting water. Jesus answered and said to her, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith thee, give me to drink. And thou wouldst ask of him and he would have given thee living water. He's, he says, listen, you are coming before the one who has the river that never runs dry. Number two, that in the answer, when, it, when God answers these prayer requests, it brings God glory. Rejoice the soul of thy servant unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Psalm 86, 4. Psalm 145, verse 18. The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him. To all that call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. The Lord preserveth all them that love him, but all the wicked will he destroy. My mouth shall ever seek, speak the praise of the Lord. Let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Psalm 145, verses 17 through 21 is the context there. How about Jeremiah 33, 3? Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. God's called me to ask. He says, I want to give to you, give to you liberally. But many times I just want to ask from God to give me what I want. In my will, not his will. I'm not asking in the spirit, I'm asking for selfish purposes. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. John 14, 14. But he says in verse 13, Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. It has to bring God glory. Something else is it shows my obedience when I ask of him. Whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So in this giving that he gives to us, it's a demonstration of keeping God's commandments. It makes God look good. It shows my absolute need for Him. It shows my obedience. And it also shows that God gives fruit and He has a will for your life that He wants you to obtain. Whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, He may give you. John 15, the end of part, verse 16. 1 John chapter 5. Look with me. 1 John chapter 5. And then we'll go to Revelation 3. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. 
These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. I'm not asking for selfish personal gain. Look with me at Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3, verse 16. He's talking here to the church of Laodicea, a very selfish church. And in verse 16, So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth, because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold, tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness, do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with the eyes, so that thou mayest see. And here's a church that says, I don't need God. I'm good. I got all the comforts of life. And the result of selfish prayers is I'm showing that I am the authority in my life. I'm going to have to finish there. I've got another little lengthier section on this idea of selfish prayer. Because so often I'm not willing to just ask God because if I ask of God, I'm demonstrating that I am unable to change the course of a particular situation in life. Not only am I not only can I not change the course of a life, I, of a life or the direction of, of course of events, but I'm coming to God as I'm coming in prayer. I'm saying, God, I'm willing to be broken. I'm willing to be humble. I'm willing to, I'm demonstrating, God, I am absolutely, completely lost without you. God says, ask, and it'll be given you. He says, ask. But it's not asking for selfish purposes. Let your light so shine. So the pe- you know, people in this idea here, in John 5, 16, that God is glorified. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That is God's aim. He wants to be glorified. He wants to answer in a way that lets him be glorified. But he tells us to ask, come to him boldly, come with confidence, come with just absolute dependence and saying, I need you. Here in North America with all the comforts and riches and wealth that we have compared to many other parts of this world, we're only coming to God to enhance our comforts but not to enrich our lives knowing God better. Expectation of God for the prayers of men. He tells us to ask, but I'm coming because I absolutely need him. And I want to know him better. When you're praying to God, do you want to know him better or are you just trying to fix a problem in your life to turn off the pain that comes because you're living in a way that you don't need God? 
We come before Him in reverence. We come before Him in the fear of God, understanding that He is in control of all things, and He controls my life. But I'm also coming to the throne of grace to receive what I don't deserve from Him alone who can change the course and the events of my life. My friend, this morning, as you hear these words of God's Word, maybe you're coming before God and praying in a way, in a lack of brokenness, a lack of trying to make things right with others. You still have unforgiveness and bitterness against someone else in your life. And as I mentioned last week, God wants you to get that right first. You're not coming broken. You're merely coming to continue what you're doing in the course of life. God says you need to make it right. You can't let your light shine. You ought not to have a critical spirit. And then when he says you can come in humility and brokenness and openness and purity, he says, I want you to ask. Now I understand we're all in the process of being purified and cleansed, and I understand that. None of us are pure, but that's our goal, our desire. But the aim of my prayers to give God glory, to let my light shine, is because I just need Him. He says, ask. So often our own pride, that is the very thing that prevents us from asking in a way that we ought to ask. And then we get angry that it's not given to us. Because we're showing we don't need God. You said, I'm asking Him, I'm praying to Him. Yes, you are. But really, in your heart, you don't need Him because you still have odd against someone else. And you don't want to just be humble and say, you know what, I'm willing to do whatever. Sometimes pain happens in our lives, unfortunate circumstances. Sometimes, I'm not saying this is always the case, but sometimes there's circumstances that come in our life that God allows because He says, listen, this pain. I want to push you and, and draw you unto myself so you'll ask me for help in helpless state and realize that I'm the answer to your problems. And so as we draw this to the conclusion this, e this morning, Christian, are you coming to God with a realization of who he is and independence upon him? God tells us to ask. You're like, Pastor, you're putting all these rules. I'm not trying to put any rules. I'm just saying what God has called us to do in the scriptures. This is what he said. This is not what I'm saying. And he tells us to ask. But he says, ask in, in the right spirit, the attitude. And maybe this morning, you've never made the first, maybe you've prayed to God before, but you've never made the right prayer where you've come to God saying, I'm a sinner and I need to be forgiven of all my sins. I am a sinner, I know I'm guilty, I know I'm on my way to hell, and I need to ask Jesus to forgive me of all my sins and be my Savior. Christian, we are coming before God, the Creator, the Savior, the Almighty of all this earth, the very cause for why we exist, with a dependence, saying, God, I'm in a situation I can't fix. Lord, I'm willing to come however you want. And I'm willing to do all that you've called us to do. With heads bowed and eyes closed this morning,
invite you to an invitation where you can just pray and talk with the Lord. We've been talking about prayer, but maybe there's circumstances of your life and you're overwhelmed. How about it's just time you just come before God in brokenness and say, God, I'm tired of fighting. I'm ready just to ask you for help, letting you lead and I'll follow.